Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Hey team, and welcome to this YouTube and podcast. And today I have a wonderful guest, Chris Mirabali, who is the CEO and founder of Novos Labs. Uh, incredible person with an amazing backstory. And today we go into a little bit into his backstory, how he had a tumor at the age of 16 and how that changed his perspective, as it would, uh, on life, uh, his entrepreneurial journey and his mission, which is to help people live longer and healthier lives. So another one in the series on longevity. We go into a lot of the longevity compounds. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Chris, an incredible person and an incredible company and the mission that they're on aligns very much with what I'm about as well. So we are looking at different longevity compounds and discussing some of those as well as the uh, whole ethos behind it. So I do hope you enjoy uh, this interview with Chris. And before I go, please, if you're on the YouTube channel, subscribe, make sure you like and share and do all of those good things. And if you're on the podcast channel, um, please yeah, share this with your friends if you like the content and consider becoming a patron to the show. Um, uh, patron.lisatamity.com is where you can join us for a cup of coffee a month. You uh, can support the show and keep this free to air. Now over to the show with Chris Mirabili. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you who I admire so much, Chris Mirabili. Welcome to the show, Chris. Fantastic to have you. Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. You are quite a fascinating character. When I started to, you know, learn about you and your company and what you do, I was fascinated actually with your backstory um, and why you got into the space. Like you, you have a, can you share with us a little bit, you know, uh, your, your life? What happened to you when you were 12 was um, very interesting. Well, not for you, I'm sure, but um, yeah, I'd just love to share that little bit of a backstory before we sort of dive into the good stuff. Sure, sure. So uh, when I was 12 years old, I um, I picked up an issue of Men's Health magazine, and I was inspired by the the, the people in the magazine. And of course, I was you know just going through puberty at the time, so I didn't have any muscles myself, but I wanted to to uh, build them. And so I started to read that magazine religiously and learn about health and fitness and diet and so on. I uh, installed a pull-up bar in, in my basement and every day religiously would would just be uh, uh, doing my pull-ups and my push-ups and running and so on. And I, I continued to do that into high school. And then uh, I was suddenly stopped in my tracks when I was 16 years old. I was on a school trip in New York City at the Federal Reserve Bank listening to economists uh, you know, speak about <laughs> about how the economy works. And um, and not out of boredom, I promise. Um, I, I suddenly um, started to feel uh, dizzy and nauseous. And it um, turned out that I, I had a seizure and it was caused by a brain tumor. And so uh, it was a, a complete shock to me, to my family, especially considering how healthy I had been for the at least previous four years with exercising and, and eating as I was. Um, it was the last thing that anyone thought would would happen to me, but um, I, I had to get uh, brain surgery for it and, and radiation. And uh, fortunately, uh, the tumor was removed. I can say that I have half of my brain missing, so anytime I forget something, that's that's the <laughs> reason for it. But um, yeah, but uh, but uh, ultimately, that that planted a seed um, that I think is is relevant to what we'll eventually talk about today, which was uh, my interest in health at that point. Then rapidly evolved from one that was really focused on the more superficial aspects of health, what most people think of as being health, which is yeah. you know physical capacities and looking good, exactly. Um, but but uh, health truly is is uh, comes down to biology, like biologically being healthy and free of disease. And whenever you have something like a tumor, cancer, um, cardiovascular disease, and so on, um, it, it changes everything for you. And uh, I wanted to learn why that happened to me, why it didn't happen to my peers, and it and it impacted me. And then to do everything that I could to prevent it from happening ever again. 
And that sent me off on the long journey. It was a windy road, but eventually it, it led to where I find myself today. I remember listening to one of your interviews and you were talking about you got the glimpse of a window at that time into the what it must like to be old because you were so impaired yourself at that moment for that short period of time that you sort of had a window what it must like feel like to be old and disabled and unable to function properly and that sort of really changed your perspective on, on, on life. And, you know, as someone who's dealt with, you know, my mum having disabilities and major disabilities at the start, much less now, thank goodness, um, it's not nice to age, you know, it's not nice to be like that. And so I think both of our passions is to to keep people as healthy and functional as long as possible. We're all going to die one day. Um, But, you know, hopefully it's, you know, drop dead after a perfectly healthy life rather than this long, slow process of decline that that um, grips most of us in the last 20, 30 years of our lives. Um, and I think this is the passion that, that that we both share is to try to, you know, extend that health span part of the, the conversation. And when you've had such a drastic thing like a, a brain tumour, um, and, and I remember you saying too in one of the interviews, you know, when you went into that surgery, you didn't know if you were going to have a future, if you were going to wake mm-hmm. up. And so making that count was also a part of your 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 mission. Yes, um, I, I I would say I, I had the privilege or or blessing of having had that brain tumor, which sounds unconventional, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I and I would never wish it upon anyone or myself ever again. But having survived it, um, it, it gave me a different perspective into life and, and laying on a, a hospital bed, contemplating my life and whether I would I would wake from the surgery and then. Uh, I would say even more so than that, after the operation, in the months that followed, I, I went from playing on the American football team in, in high school um, to uh, writing poetry on a Friday night instead of hanging out with friends who were experimenting with beer, right? So um, <laughs> it was a dramatic, a dramatic change for me, uh, but uh, it, to to the point that you brought up, uh, it, it also it also instilled some degree of, of fear in me of like not wanting to be in that position again. Mm. And also the mm. pain and the frustration of the recovery process as well. And thinking that when, when I look at, at people and I see the disease in society and think that people in their forties or thirties now, um, or fifties, sixties, seventies are coming down with chronic illnesses, one, two, three chronic illnesses. Yeah. And the thought of the pain and the frustration that can come from that. I want to avoid that for as long as possible. Ideally to your point, never suffer from it. And then pass away peacefully in, in my sleep one night, right? Like that would be the most ideal uh, exactly. way to pass. So yeah. if I can maximize the odds of that, I'm going to do everything I can. Yeah. And that, this is the thing. I mean, you were as a, as a 16 year old, you've done nothing to deserve a tumor. So things can hit us out of the blue. We both understand that, but we're lowering the odds of the, of these diseases happening is, is all we can do. That's the part we can control and we can't, we, we can't focus on the stuff that we can't control. So, so let's do sort of some of that. And then you, in your very early, uh, adulthood, you, you, decided you're an entrepreneur by nature and dived into a company with a few of your colleagues. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Because that was like a, quite an astounding um, success and then not so much a success. So can you talk <laughs> about it? Yeah, a, a, a very interesting. I'm, sure. I'm fascinated by experiences like this because these are what build us, you know, with these the good and the bad of these things. Sure. So the quick backstory is I, I taught myself how to do web programming when I was uh, 14 years old or so. And then when I was 15, uh, I got hired in uh, at a New York City technology startup as as a programmer. Uh, and I did that one year prior to to having the, the uh, brain tumor diagnosis. And um, and so I Going through that experience, I realized I wanted to become an entrepreneur and ideally something in technology. So fast forward, I was uh, finishing up at college. I went to NYU Stern, which is the business school at at NYU. And I had an idea along with a, a few friends of mine to create a social network that 
had some similarities to Facebook, but some differences as well. So at the time, Facebook was going from being a college-only network to opening up beyond just colleges. And so that's one thing we wanted to do is to um, bring that exclusivity, that college network back. And the second thing was we wanted to focus more on the real world. So what are things you can do around you, looking at community and events and venues and give people a, as we would say, a peek into the venue, a digital peek into the venue of what's happening around you. So we started that company. It was called Hotlist. So, so uh, Hotlist, we were the youngest winners of NYU Stern's business plan competition. Uh, I was a year out of college at this point. I was working uh, in private equity at this fancy job on Park Avenue. I quit the job and uh, convinced myself I was going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg overnight, <laughs> which, you know, that's a 21-year-old ego speaking. And uh, things were far, far more difficult than that. And uh, we... Uh, right when I quit the job and we were in the process of raising a round of venture capital, wow. Lehman Brothers collapsed and the, the Great Recession took hold. And so all of the money dried up yep. and it was very, very difficult to raise money. I wasn't able to pay myself and it was it was a tough start to the company. Uh, but with that said, we endured through all of that and eventually we did raise the money. And we were able to scale the uh, the platform. Uh, we had more than 100 million people social plans on wow. our platform where you could be practically anywhere in the world and see what was happening around you at the venues nearby and see the people that were expected to go to those venues. Wow. Uh, all the while we were focused... Uh, almost completely on the technology and user growth, but not on revenue, which mm. was, you know, that's the way to build a, a, you know, a tech startup, a social network is you focus on the users first. Um, and so um, unfortunately that ended up biting us in the end where we uh, needed to raise more money, but we also had the opportunity to potentially sell the business um, in an acquisition and we were talking to some really big players like Google and Facebook. They were interested in us. Ultimately, there is a company uh, in Asia. It's one of the biggest telecom companies in the world that said that they would like to purchase us. And they put an offer on the table, discussed it with our board of directors. And uh, at this point, we were many years into our journey with the company. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know exactly, but it was more than six years at this point. And we decided, yes, this is an opportunity we, we'd like to take rather than raising the funds. Mm -hmm. And um, and you can only do one one of the two, right? There's not yeah. enough time in the day to be able to try to raise funds while also dealing with an acquisition and the due diligence process. So we, we pursued the acquisition. And after approximately three or four months, which was taking longer than, than usual, the acqu potential acquirer came back and said, Thank you for sharing everything with us. We are going to try to build our own version of Hotlist uh, here in Asia. So they were essentially getting a lot of ideas from us. They just mined everything. Mined wow. the information and then left us to hang to dry. And uh, we didn't have enough capital to pay employees. Um, and we imploded. So despite yep. what we had built, I mean, we tried to raise money very quickly from investors and we got a little bit and extended the runway by a month or two, but it just, it wasn't enough. Yeah. And we had to shut everything down. And wow. my whole ego and, and my whole life was wrapped up in this business, right? Yeah. Like it was every waking moment and even sleeping moment. I had dreams about this business yeah. uh, only for it to all just disappear um, so suddenly. Wow. And um, at the same time, uh, Hurricane Sandy hit New York. I lost my apartment. When I eventually regained it, I found that my apartment was looted. All my valuables had been stolen, and it oh. was just it was a it was a tough. It was a rough start to life, you said. Right. With that and tumors, but I, you know, like having gone through that tumor journey, I wonder if that had given you the resilience in a way to be able to go. Because a lot of people would just lie down after that and go, that's me, I'm done with this entrepreneurial stuff. Give me a nine-to-five job and I'll just, you know, become a cog in a wheel. But you didn't. You just dived on into the next venture. And, and you know, like you must have a real big risk-taking gene or something in your, <laughs> in your genetic, a lot of adrenaline or something. Um 
And, you know, you, you, you were grieving for this company that you, you just built and spent, you know, poured your heart and soul into and then had this stolen. That's a really tough lesson to learn. Um, and then just dived on into the next, next, next sort of thing coming. Yeah, I, I did in the sense of, of immediately starting a new venture, but, uh, at the same time on, on the, you know, my personal life side, I was spending a lot of time, um, reflecting on the experience i i began reading some some books um by multiple people but the ones that stand out are, are by this indian spiritualist named jiddu krishnamurti that it's not religious in any way but if anything it's anti-religious but it it is more about questioning a lot of the things he says it causes you to question your values and why do you believe the things that you believe um and so i was questioning why, for example, my ego was so wrapped up in my company and um, what were my real intentions and goals with building this company? And was it fame? Was it fortune? Was it helping people? Was it something else? And so it was, it was, yes, a difficult period, uh, but at the same time, it was a transformative period. I would say um, on the same scale or order of magnitude as the brain tumor, um, which is mm-hmm. very different, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was, it was another, you know, the thinking of peeling the layers of an onion, right? Yeah, like I peeled I off it. many layers, uh, of, of myself and my identity and ego and, and became that much closer to the truth of, of who I am and, and what, what I'm, what I'm looking for in, in life. So, um, although I did, you know, dive into a new venture, like you said, at the same time, it it wasn't, you know, uh, leaving everything behind. It was actually reflecting a lot on what I had just been through and then and trying to set myself up for being on a better foundation to then start something new. Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatamati.com. That's patron.lisatamati.com and check it all out. I mean, and, and you know, like every entrepreneur has hiccups in their journey and it's a difficult process. And, you know, to have such a huge success so young, I mean, where did you get the confidence from? Like to to to, to just, I mean, I know you went to business school and uh, a top business school and things, but still just to dive on in and start raising venture capital and stuff, you know, like that. that's like, wow, where do you, at, at 21 years of age or 22 or whatever, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing to even have that confidence to move forward like that, you know, to have that big vision. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, admittedly, I think part of it was just, you know, hubris ignorance at your early twenties, <laughs> you're like, Oh, I can do anything. Right. I'm like I got, <laughs> yeah, I've done so well on, uh, in school and like the real world here I come. Right. And <laughs> and then it, it knocks you down a handful really? of pecs. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um but I, I was also, you know, it was I was excited. It was it was everything was exciting. It was a new experience. You kind of learn on the fly. Um and um you know, I, I was uh, on television shows, I was uh plastered on the on the big screens in wow. uh in Times Square when I opened NASDAQ, the the stock market. Amazing. You know, there's some amazing things that that came from it. Uh and uh and it, it was a roller coaster ride there was these these dramatic ups like that and then there were the dramatic downs that ultimately led to the, you know, the dramatic crash of, of the company yeah. and if we fast forward now to um what you're doing now because this is you know really the crux of what i want to get into in the interview today uh you you founded a company novos labs uh and you also have a blog um that we we, we share and talk about so you've probably because of your early experiences with the tumor and you being so interested in health, you've gone into the longevity space, right, with Novos Labs. Can you tell us about this journey and what you are doing there? And, you know, as an entrepreneur who's in this space as well and finding my feet, still I'm a bit of a late bloomer, I'm 54 and I'm still sort of starting, you know, <laughs> 
still sort of finding my way. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, type of thing. Um, it fascinates me uh, your 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 transition into this and to what you're doing now, um, and and the levels of this company. That that uh, you know, it, it's not just a supplement company, or a, it, it, there's a whole lot to this. So, what is the philosophy and, and things that you started with with, with Novos? Sure. So I mentioned earlier that I, I became interested in health when I was 12. And then that was deepened when, when I had my experience with, with the brain tumor. And um, even while I was starting you know, companies like Hotlist, which are not related to health in any way, my, my, you know, personal life was spent focused on health, right? So uh, when my friends were, you know, just having brunch, I would be out going for a 12 mile run, right? Uh, so <laughs> I, can so I was that. always, yeah, yeah, I figured you could. Uh, so, so I was always, always interested in, in health and researching and um, always about trying to like improve, right? Like the self-improvement mindset. So let me find out about the latest research and see how far I can take myself. Um, and uh, you know, in my late twenties, I uh, I met somebody who's a very big name in in the biohacking um, health world, and he turned me on to the idea of, of biohacking, and and I began experimenting there and, and and logging a lot of data about myself and experimenting with supplements and diets and so on. Uh, but all the while, I was also thinking while I was doing these experiments, are the things that I'm doing now good for me, not only for this short-term goal, maybe it's a performance goal, for example, or um, I want to improve my memory or my focus. Uh, is it also good for me in the long-term or are there long-term costs to what I'm doing today? And the answer was not always so clear. And what I didn't realize at the time was that I was dealing with a longevity concept known as antagonistic pleiotropy, which is mm -hmm. something dealing with genetics. But to simplify for everyone, it's essentially the idea that what is good for you today can come back to you to harm you yep. tomorrow in the long term, right? And so uh, through that lens, I started to look at everything that I was doing and say, what can I do that will optimize me both today and in the long term. And that cleared a lot of the noise from, from the, the options that I had of things that I could experiment with and kept me focused on things. All the while, I then also came across a paper, a scientific paper, uh, called the, uh, the hallmarks of aging. Yep. yep. And it, it uh, discussed uh, basically what are the biological mechanisms or reasons why we get older. And while researching that, I came across other researchers in the field like Aubrey de Grey mm -hmm. and um, uh, started to attend events that he hosted and really got myself involved in that ecosystem of longevity research, which at the time was was much smaller than it is now. It's still relatively small compared to mm -hmm. big industries, but it's growing exponentially and the biggest names in biology and science are gravitating towards longevity because of how strong of a premise it is, how, how real it is and how it, it, it seems like it will revolutionize the way that we think about health. And so while attending these events, I, I came to realize that everything that people were talking about was that they were talking about was either, uh, academic, uh, so more theoretical or just, you know, uh, experimentation done at an academic lab, or it was more on like the biotech side of things. So pharmaceuticals, uh, DNA modification, you know, bigger things mm -hmm. with CRISPR and so on. And so that question of, well, what can I actually do today to improve my longevity? And what can I, I give to my family and loved ones mm -hmm. and the community at large? There was no obvious answer. And so I started to research these different hallmarks of aging and different ingredients uh, available over the counter. So things found in nature uh, that don't require FDA approval that had favorable effects on these hallmarks of aging. And then I would approach the scientists who were the authorities on those hallmarks of aging or on those ingredients and ask them like, how real is this? How significant are these effects? Um, and I was surprised to find how optimistic these scientists were wow. about these ingredients. And so that was enough for me to have a validation point that there's an opportunity here 
to work in something that I'm personally more passionate about than anything else in my life um, that can have a very real effect on people's health and is also where the market is heading. Like this is the future. It's not, it's not the past, like a traditional supplement company might, might be considered or an anti-aging company might be considered. So that's when I decided to start Novos. I teamed up with some of the world's uh, most well-regarded biologists like uh, Dr. David Sinclair, uh, sorry, uh, Dr. George Church. I met with Dr. George, David Sinclair yeah, at the time, yeah. but Dr. George David Church yep. a, a, officially came on board um, wow. to, to our advisory board. So he invented the first direct genome sequencing method yeah, in 1984. He's, he's a professor at Harvard and MIT. Uh, we've got six scientific advisory board members, all from either Harvard, MIT, or the Salk Institute. We've got more than a dozen other scientists that are not officially on our board, but that we regularly work with or uh, run I'm studies. I'm so jealous. With. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to have access to these brains. You know, like it's yeah, like you, you, when I went through your scientific board, I'm like, you, you what now? <laughs> like really? <laughs> You've got all of these people. Like this is and get in, like you say, more in behind the scenes that that you're working with and doing the research with uh for your products and and what you're and that that to me is the hallmark of talking of hallmarks of of doing it right you know and doing it really in depth you know and it's not the the quick way to market um right but it's the proper way yeah right yes i I mean i i want to create products that first of all i want to take every day because it's improving my health right so it's admittedly a selfish intent at first i want to create something that is going to help me that that i want to take every day and i'm creating it because it doesn't exist on the market and then a little bit more selfless i want to then be able to provide this to people that i care about and and love like family and friends and then offer it to the community at large because we're all humans, we're all people and seeing people suffer uh, yeah. and and the possibility of being able to re- reduce that suffering um, is, is, um, is inspiring. Uh, yeah. And so, so doing the scientific research is the best way for us to be able to validate our, our product and, and show that there's more to it than just the historical research that we had used to formulate the product in the first place. Now that the, the product is formulated, we run the studies both in vitro and in vivo, um, to prove that it is actually doing what we had hypothesized that it would be doing. And we're getting fantastic results so far in the studies that we've run. Man, absolutely amazing. And I love the way you've gone about it. Uh, and then you've also got um, DNA or, or, or testing, age testing. So um, for the for the listeners out there, you have your, your chronological age, you know, how many times did you go around the sun? And then you've got your sort of biological age and there's many aging clocks. And this is very much still a developing area of science. And um, it, it, it's a, it, it's looking at the age of your cells, basically, and, and on methylation clocks and, you know, the Horvath clock. And you've got, you've got a number of different companies, um, doing this now. And people would think, well, why the hell would you want to know, you know, doing a test to see how biologically old you are? And it's a bit of a scary thought, really, you know, um, and I've I've only done basic ones over here that you know I don't put too much salt into because they're not quite correct. But you know I'm a decade younger than I'm meant to be, and I was disappointed in that. To be fair, <laughs> I want more than a decade <laughs> less. And um, but and, and and this is like we 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 know that different organs are aging at different speeds, and so there's still there's still lots of of, of room for for research in this space. Um, but why do you think it's important to have this as one of the products that you're offering, which has got the, the age testing in it, uh, for people to to have a benchmark to 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 work against? Is that the reasoning behind having that sort of a testing available? Yeah. So you can't really effectively improve something that you can't measure. If you're not measuring, you're kind of just taking your chances and you know, closing your eyes and crossing your fingers. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, so by providing a biological age or what we really emphasize with our uh, test is your pace of aging. So just to clarify, Mm. we, we did not create the algorithm ourselves. We worked with a 
we're providing something called the Dunedin Pace Clock, which mm-hmm. was actually created uh, in collaboration uh, with, <laughs> yeah, down in New Zealand, uh, as well as Columbia University and Duke University researchers. So it was three universities combined working on this and looking at uh, uh, people aging over decades and looking at many different health markers from like sit stand tests to, uh, you know, uh, white brain matter to um, reaction speed time and uh, dozens and dozens of different health markers and markers that are correlated with aging. Wow. And then uh, also looking at diseases and mortality and then using all of this and advanced mathematical modeling to then create an algorithm that by looking at the epigenome is able to then tell you how fast or slow you're aging relative to chronological time. So if mm. one equals one chronological year, and if your biological do need and pace is one, that means every one year you're biologically aging one year. So that's basically aging at the average rate of the average person. If you had 0.85, you're aging 15% slower than the average person or 1.1, you're aging 10% faster. Now, you you mentioned earlier that some people might be afraid to get these types of results or intimidated by it. And what I would say is that the, the wonderful thing is that you can actually impact your rate of aging and your biological age. Mm. It is not something that's fixed. It's not something that's written in your genetic code. It is something that you can alter based on your lifestyle. And so by getting that score at first, let's just say before you start integrating different longevity minded uh, interventions or lifestyle um, hacks into your routine and then integrating those and then testing again, let's just say a year later, uh, then you can actually see the impact that that these changes have have made. And I will tell you, it is really encouraging and exciting for people when they see the results. For example, we we did a very small in-house case study. Uh, we haven't published this yet on our website, but we we gave it to, I believe, 11 people. I have to check the exact numbers, but I believe 11 people um, uh, received, or maybe it was 12, received uh, the, the test before taking Novos' products. Then we mm-hmm. gave them our two products, Core and Boost, for six months. And then they took the test again. And uh, approximately 75, 76% of the participants um, had improvements in their pace of aging. Wow. And those who didn't actually stayed static. They didn't get worse. They didn't get better. And so for those people, you have to wonder if they actually would have gotten worse if they weren't taking core and boost. Maybe they had negative um, life experiences, too much stress or drinking too much alcohol or their diet. Uh, fell apart. There's different reasons it could have sped up. The fact that zero people sped up and a hundred percent of the people slowed down um, or stayed static yeah. is fantastic. And we we ran statistics on it, and and the the p value, which for the you know st- the statistic buffs out there was um, was point zero zero one. So yeah. you know point zero five is what you need for statistical significance. This was twenty yeah. x better than that. Wow. This is that's that that that's I mean that's an impetus and and this is the thing we want to get motivation right we need to have motivation because one of the you know I work as a clinician I, I work with people all the time um, when when I give people supplements and different lifestyle interventions if they don't see results in two weeks a lot of people are, are of that instant mindset you know that they have to have they want to see progress now and if you if you, if, you know, I try to explain that biology is that things are happening on a cellular level. That that biology is changing, but that you have to commit to the process. If you're looking for the results in two weeks, you're not going to be a person who's going to succeed in the long term. And I, I know this very well, as in both as an athlete, that you have to grind day in day out the training that's you know that's set for you that's required in order to get there. And you don't look for the results along the way. You know, you have times when you're measuring things, but you're not looking at a today I went to the gym and why haven't I lost half a kilo? You're not going to have that success. Or with mum and her journey in the rehabilitation, we would have months where no improvement. And I put her through a really strict, you know, regime every day of eight hours for someone with neural fatigue, you know, massive. I mean, you, you've come back from a brain tumor, so you, you'd have a bit of an inkling of what it comes back from an aneurysm, a stroke, and brain tumors. 
like at the age of 80, like phenomenal, right? And we would have months where there's no progress and people always going to me like, why are you putting her through this arduous, difficult, disciplined routine every day when there's no results? And I was like, because I have the vision of where she will be and I'm holding that vision and I'm holding space for that vision and I'm training her and I believe in that vision. You have to believe that you can be well again. You have to, on a cellular level, believe that you can get there. That's really, really key. And most people... What I found is like like when I started then working with other people, they wanted the magic pill that I gave my mum. Why didn't you, you know, just give me the magic pill that what you what you did? And I unfortunately I couldn't in, in the start replicate what I'd done with mum because other people didn't have that driving force behind them, i.e. me, to 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 kick them along every day. And they didn't understand that um, athlete mindset, I like to call it, where you have that drive that you'll just keep going no matter what. I don't care if you, you know, things good, bad, ugly, whether we're seeing progress, we're not seeing progress, we're doing the thing that's required today. And that attitude has meant that she's success. And that's why the book is called Relentless. And this is not an advert for Relentless, but it's about being relentless and going all in on the process not looking for markers, but I'll admit to have those tests and to have those markers to aim for is way more motivating. And when you can give people short-term wins in my my training or my my programs that I develop, if I can get them some short-term wins, I will. Even when I know the bigger wins are down the road, but they may not stick around for those if I don't give them something in the immediate short-term. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It does. Yeah. Yeah. When, when it comes to that. So when we formulated Novo's core, which is our, our foundational core uh, product, we included some ingredients that uh, have some shorter term benefits to them as well. So we made sure that every single ingredient had research showing that it can improve health span and lifespan. So essentially longevity, but we wanted to also include some of those that were a little bit more of a short-term benefit as well, rather mm-hmm. than only the long-term benefit ingredients. So for example, um, hyaluronic acid is an ingredient that um, is included in the formula that can improve skin health in the short term. So most people think of hyaluronic acid to put it on their skin topically, but few people realize you can actually ingest it. And that can actually plump up the skin from the inside out. And our body naturally produces hyaluronic acid, but it goes down many fold um, starting in your, in your mid twenties up, up until later life. Um, other ingredients like magnesium or L-theanine, rhodiola, we have microdose lithium. Um, all of these ingredients yeah. have, have some short-term effects or midterm, like in the matter of, of a few weeks. Now, with that said, we caution people like don't take Novo's core and say, I'm not seeing my, my skin glowing in the first two weeks of taking it. So it's not working or I'm not sleeping better within the first month. And a lot of people say they sleep better after taking Novo's core. So it's not working for me. That's, that's not the case. Your point biology is kind of slow. It's gradual. It takes time. You don't go from obese to thin by like suddenly eating healthy in three weeks and then expect everything to just, you know, uh, come into place. It, it takes time. Uh, and so Novos is a, it's a lifestyle. It is something that when you sign up for our products, you're also signing up for all of the knowledge and the community that we've built and so on. Uh, and so it's something that, uh, you, you should be taking on for the, for the long term. Uh, but to that point, we do look for ideally offering people some of these shorter term wins. And then something like Novos Age is something where you can do the biological age testing. And in the midterm, say six months or 12 months, you can also take the test to see how you're improving. I love that. And, you know, and, that I love that the education piece of that that puzzle as well, as well as the the ongoing support on the on the uh, supplement side, and and then the, because you can't out supplement a bad diet, you can't out supplement a bad exercise or no exercise routine. You it is a combination of these things that are going to give you extended lifespan and health span, um, and so it makes sense to me from a company perspective. 
to be teaching people the education side of that. And I think it's probably the biggest piece. It's the biggest piece of what I do for sure. Um, because if I can get people to understand the need to be preventative, the need to be proactive in the space, the need for them to actually educate themselves rather than outsourcing their health to any one person, doctor or medical system, that they can actually take control of aspects of their health, uh, then 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 I've got a not only a customer for a longer period of time, but I've got a customer who's going to get results much quicker and more effectively. And the the supplement regimes, um, they help. They are a part of this bigger puzzle and, and, and presenting people with that whole picture rather than just take this one thing because it's the greatest, latest thing on the internet and, you know, Two days later, people are going, it's not working. It's not working. You know, literally I get customers sometimes with some of the products that I have. You know, I've been taking it for three days and and and, and it hasn't worked. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. This instant mentality, we've got to understand things are happening on a cellular level. Like, can you tell if you're methylating pro- properly or not? No. <laughs> you can't actually, right. like, know that, but... Uh, do you feel like crap and you're not got enough energy and you've got some fatigue going on and you, you know, those may be signs that that's not working, you know, just as an example. Um, and, and so people, but we're, we're famously not good at that sort of thinking. We just like to think linearly. I took this pill. I got healthy tomorrow. <laughs> and then there are so right. many compounds on the market and there's some fantastic ones. And the combination that you've, chosen for the core product was quite interesting i was like wow okay i mean i'm on rhodiola anyway but why did you put rhodiola for example into the mix it's not some uh it's not the the most famous popular one on the market at the moment for longevity you know what i mean um so yeah for example or caakg can you uh, explain to people what that one does for example and that's um only recently come on my radar that one Sure, sure. So starting with with rhodiola. Yes, sorry. Um, Two it, double it, it, Yeah, yeah. So so we we spent a lot of time researching all of the substances out there uh, that could have an impact on on aging. And uh there's there's a handful out there and and many of which we eliminated from the potential formula uh before we finalized the formula uh for safety reasons uh um, or it might have a, a an unwanted side effect, um, or we found a superior ingredient that was more powerful, and so on. Um, rhodiola was one of the ingredients that had longevity benefits, and it also has some short-term benefits as an adaptogen. It can help you be more resilient to stressors, can improve energy, or if you're overexhausted, it can help to calm you down so that you can get that rest that you might might need. Uh, but it, it's also found to extend lifespan in multiple species. And then within rhodiola, uh, one of the ingredients that's probably doing a lot of the magic is uh, called salidricide. Mm-hmm. And uh, salidricide has been found to be able to support nerve regeneration in animals. Um, and then also to to promote normal sirtuin and AMPK function in, in human cells as well. Um, wow. Um, so sirtuins, uh, mm-hmm. people might or might not be familiar with, but these are enzymes that uh, help to repair the DNA, for example. Um, major, major it, important sirtuin genes. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. I, I was unaware yeah. that rhodiola did that, actually. I, I was aware of its adaptogenic um, properties, and I take it for that myself. Um, but I was not aware of the sirtuin activation. It's a, right. A and it, it could also potentially uh, impact uh, senescent cells as well. I wouldn't go as far as saying wow. it's a senolytic, which is destroying senescent cells, uh, but it, it can potentially uh, maybe have senostatic properties of oh, preventing wow. senescent cells from, from proliferating. Um, overall, like we, we did a, a, a an in vitro uh, trial of Novos uh, on human cells and looked at its impact on senescent cells. And uh, we compared it also to the you know, gold standard prescription longevity drug, rapamycin. Yep. And we found that we had comparable results on senescent cells where we reduced the size of senescent cells. 
And we prevented them by approximately 50% was the reduction in size and uh, prevented new senescent cells from forming. So it was a small scale study and it would be best to, to look at this like in living animals, like in in mice or in humans. Uh, But for, for this early stage study, it was really exciting to see that our results were were comparable it was with the, to that of the combination, the, the the core product, or was it yes. with radiola? That was that was that. That was with the, the the combination. We have other wow. ingredients. For example, fisetin is is yeah. the best known ingredient in our formula yeah. that can have these uh, senolytic or senostatic properties to it. So it's most likely predominantly the fisetin, but yeah. then uh, rhodiola may have contributed. So we we designed Novo's core to have these synergistic properties and to look at all of the hallmarks of aging and to uh, we're the very first formula designed to impact all of them simultaneously because one of the insights gleaned from scientists when i was talking with them at the beginning of novos was that by addressing just one of the hallmarks of aging at a time let's just say dysregulated epigenome or mitochondrial dysfunction you're only going to get so far it's like having a car that has flat tires and the muffler fell off and it's out of oil and only fixing one or two of the flat tires and neglecting everything else. Well, the car is still not going to perform well. (laughs) I mean, right. But if if you bring it in for the full repair, that's where you're going to get it to behave like new or at least as close to new as possible. And so that was the, the philosophy. Now the, the weakness that the pharmaceutical or biotech um, route has is that they tend to have to be a lot more simple. Mm. Uh, they have to like focus on a specific disease for FDA approval. And they're typically looking at only one or two of these hallmarks of aging. Um, and they're typically doing it with one single ingredient uh, because they have to keep things very simple because the cost for these FDA trials is so exorbitant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you get these very simplistic formulas that aren't really impacting longevity in a more holistic way like we are by looking at all of the hallmarks i love that i love it and yeah then there's so many limitations with the way that the medical system is set up you know because it's such a big and worldly beast if you like and the way that clinical research is done and the way that it's evolved uh, you know over over hundreds of years that in our in our modern day society i think we need to change our perspective a little bit i mean I, I preach about this all the time about it's very reactionary and when it comes to chronic disease i mean they're brilliant at things like you know fixing broken legs and and surgeries and things like that absolutely amazing and extended have extended our lifespans for sure but when it comes to chronic disease management and being on the preventative i have argument after argument with doctors um about why can't i get my clients these basic blood tests because i'm not a doctor i can't just you know go and order certain things and you know and these are not <laughs> i'm not asking for the moon here i'm just asking for a simple you know 20 dollar blood test so that we can look at the some preventative measures uh and, and the pushback is often you know so huge um uh, just looking at things like cgms which are big in america you know constant glucose monitors and trying to see if we can get some of my clients that down here and the uh, it's turning into an impossibility. You can get it if you're a diabetic and you've got this and that. But right. and I'm like, why do you not want to pe- pe- people to look under the hood and see what's going on? Why can't they have that? Oh, that's dangerous. It's dangerous for them to know. And I was like, well, you step on a scale. I mean, what's the difference between stepping on a scale and knowing what your the, the, the banana you ate has perhaps impacted you far more than you thought it would on a blood sugar level? And therefore, I can go, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have so many bananas as I was having, uh, and make that little alteration in my my diet. Why is that dangerous? You know, like I don't. it's dangerous not it's dangerous to not know that information right because it's it's the the difference between like uh something that uh, like an an acute killer like like getting hit by a car or shot by a gun uh versus like a long-term chronic killer right like so consistently elevating your blood sugar uh can can cause glycation and that glycation can then lead to uh poor organ um um uh function and yeah. ultimately lead to you know All passing away sooner or disease right <laughs> and so so like that is the danger is people not knowing this information um and the the chances that you know putting this minimally invasive microfilament on your arm is going to harm you is practically zero so yeah and i just don't understand that whole mentality you know 
Um, and I've had lots of arguments and no doubt I'll have a lot more arguments. And then, you know, you, you just have two camps. You have people who are the doctors and things that are, are in that functional integrated space and developing even more openness towards that. And you got ones that are just completely closed. This is the protocol I was learned at medical school 30 years ago. And this is what we're doing because if I put my head above the parapet, it'll be chopped off, which is true. Um, and, and this, this is a, you know, a massive problem within the system. And so educating then instead of fighting against the system, because we're never going to, you know, <laughs> win that battle. Um, probably it, I try to go to the education of the people on the individual so that they are being proactive in their own health and then shopping around. Like if I go to a doctor, um, going back to my story. 10 doctors told us she's terminally ill. There's nothing we can do. Get ready to die. There's no, there's no chemo. There's no radiation. There's no, there's nothing that's going to prolong her life. She's, she's, she's buggered. That was 18 months ago. And, um, within 12 weeks, we got rid of the tumors on her MRI, you know. Wow. And that was through the metabolic approach to cancer, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, intravenous vitamin C, you name it. I had 15 doctors working on her case. To, to get that result and and we continue to work tirelessly on that that program because cancer is a beast and it can change its metabolism and it, you have to stay one step ahead of the shape-shifting beast I like to think yeah. of it as and so you never want to say you're cured and that you'll never have a problem again but right now we're, we're managing to stay one step ahead of it and there's no sign of it in her body currently um under at least under the resolution of the current MRI technology that we have um and she's living life and she's happy and she's she's ostensibly healthy you know um and so this is for me that's because I have a team of the world's best doctors on her team you know yeah. and yes it's cost me the house you know I've literally thrown half of a house at it this year and I have to maintain that but I don't care I will run around in an old car and, you know, not buy flash clothes and, you know, in order to keep her alive for as long as I possibly can. You know, I lost my father two and a half years ago and that was a pain that I, you know, just I, I, I'll fight against this, you know, I'll rage against the dying of the yeah. light for as long as I possibly can, you know. Um, yeah, and that's no, what drives me. It, it just drives me to want to, you know, meet people like you, interview people like share this great knowledge that you have and get this out there in the world to, to let us live as long as possible, you know. And, I, you know, I train mum like she's an Olympic athlete and she has a very strict life and it's tough sometimes, but she has a quality of life. She enjoys her family. She enjoys her grandchildren. And, you know, our Olympics is living beyond 100 and she's, you know, that's that's what we're aiming for, you know. Um, yeah. And I hope we, you know, we do. We 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 achieve that, and we will give it our best shot. You know. Yeah. That's what we're that doing. It's wonderful that that you're doing that for, for your mother. I I lost my mother um, about two and a half, <laughs> almost three years ago, to pancreatic oh, cancer, and oh. it was all while starting Novos, and oh. it only made my drive that much greater to to you know improve health and I did everything I could for my mother as well and unfortunately the diagnosis came at the same time that COVID hit and oh, all of the yeah. you know like more experimental therapies like immunotherapy and so on uh, was it was unavailable because they weren't taking on any new patients they wouldn't even allow me for a while in the in the oh, you know, yeah. hospital room and it was just horrific uh, ex extremely frustrating that even with the knowledge that that um, I was gathering from authorities in the space um, and the possible directions we could have gone. Um, they were just unavailable because of, you know, hospital lockdowns and so on, which yeah. in my mind was, was, was you know, yeah, kind crazy. of crazy. It was like, all right, you're going to sacrifice this life for this, the possibility that someone, you yeah. know, gets COVID that is less, far less likely to die than so yeah. anyway, we could, it, it we could very... probably go off on a, a, a big tangent on that. And I think in, in both of us, you know, I, you know, lost my dad at that time too. And, and we were fighting against a system that did not want him in his case, it was in between lockdown. So we were at least being able to be with him. And it's, he was an ICU. He had a aortic aneurysm in his case. Uh, Cause my dad was a smoker, unfortunately, and I couldn't ever stop him. Um, he, I wanted intravenous vitamin C. I knew the research. I had 
worked with a lot of the scientists who'd done a lot of the research, you know, I knew that in the cases of sepsis, which is what he developed, that the mortality rate dropped by 48%. And, and I could not get him intravenous, something as simple as intravenous vitamin C. I fought against the ethics committee. I fought for, for 16 days fighting against the system to get him the right to, and I eventually won the right, but they would only give him small doses and they thought there was just one infusion. And then they, we got that one infusion the first time and it started to turn the bus around. We started to see changes in, in all his important markers, like, you know, your CRP and, and, and various markers, kidney function and so on. And, but he was at death's doorstep. He already had multiple organ failure. And then they stopped me doing the second and I had to fight for another 18 hours when the protocol was six hours. It took me 18 hours to get the second one. It took me 18 hours to get the third one. It took me 18 hours to get the fourth one. And I just fighting, fighting, fighting. And, and of course, I lost the battle in the end for, for him because it was too little, too late. And so that just put a fire in my belly. There is, yeah, yeah there is, uh, I, I can't, I can't go back. I can't save my dad, but I can make a legacy of the experiences moving forward where I can help other people in various ways. And I've done a lot of work in the intravenous vitamin C space, um, but also in other areas and just, just, just educating and being in the space and meeting incredible people like you is just, is yeah, it's power. It's, it's, right. And yeah. And, and in speaking of, of that frustration, I mean, it, it just reminded me of, of being in the hospital with my mother and the, you know, these, these, these institutions that have these ethics boards and committees uh, uh, to decide that, you know, you can't give the vitamin C, for example. But meanwhile, uh, <laughs> when you go to the pantry or they bring the food to the room, they have uh, Oreos, yeah, chocolate chip cookies, potato chips, I um, know. chocolate, chocolate milk with tons of sugar in it. And it's like, like this is literally what is fueling the cancer growth and yes uh and and then when you speak to the nutritionist or the dietitian um i should say dietitian to be proper about it um, you speak to the dietitian about for example uh recent research done on ketogenic diets to try to starve the cancer and you know changing changing different amino acids and and reducing maybe the glutamine in it and so on um they know nothing of it and 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 you know and even if they did they probably would have a battle against the ethics committee to be able to do that right and we're talking about things that have such a such a low potential side effect profile of you know going on the ketogenic diet uh versus the potential benefit that it can bring to the patient yep and meanwhile it's it's resisted Yep. So I have to bite just my tongue super... every time. Like we yesterday, we were getting a blood test, and we have to go into the chemo room because Mum's got a portacath. And I know we're getting off topic, everyone, but no, this is important stuff for you to understand what goes on behind the scenes of these things when you're in that situation. We go into the room where they take blood tests off your portacath, and everyone there is having chemo, and they're literally bringing around the cookies and the orange juice and the and the sandwiches for them to eat, and I'm just like metabolic approach to cancer anybody you know and I, and I, I have to stop myself from shouting you know like like going what are you doing has nobody yeah. ever said to you that you know cancer feeds off sugar well, that's why pet scans work i mean they know that <laughs> they know that right. i mean otto wilberg's work and you know all there's 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 so much evidence there's so much evidence and why not try it? Because it's not going to kill you to go on a ketogenic diet or a low carb diet or a low glutamine or a low methane diet. Or you know, there, there are different things with different cancers. Don't get me wrong; it's a little bit complicated. Sure. But uh, it, it, it's the, the information's out there, and, and this would be a very easy approach. Or even just fasting before you go for your chemo is going to have yeah. a lot less side effects, you know, um, yeah. or your radiation. You know, just things like that that just drives me mad. So I've written a book called "What Your Oncologist Isn't Telling You." And it's actually an interview series with some of the world's leading scientists in, in the metabolic approach to cancer and sharing all of their information. So I've got um, 16 different interviews with, with incredible scholars in this area um, just to share that information and get that out there. <laughs> Even if they can't work with me one-on-one, they can they can get the book, you know, and start listening and educating themselves. It's It's just... So so important, I think. Yeah, that's wonderful that you put that together. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there's lots of things. 
Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatamati.com. Um, so just coming back to Novos and some of the things that we should be talking about just before we wrap it up. Um, where to next? I mean, you've got uh, – I did want to ask you about the, the calcium AKG um, because this is a new one on my radar and I'm not quite sure of the whole science yet behind it. Um, can you explain that one, why that one was put in the formulation that you've got? Sure. So uh, uh, alpha ketoglutarate is something that's it's present in, in the body, part of the Krebs cycle. As, as we age, we have less alpha ketoglutarate, AKG. Uh, but AKG can help to protect cells against damage and, and stressors. Uh, it's also found to improve uh, your metabolism as being part of the Krebs cycle. It's also been found to improve the epigenome. And mm. there's a good amount of research being done by uh, Brian Kennedy, who is at, he's currently at uh, National University of Singapore. He's a world-renowned uh, longevity scientist. Um, in fact, he studied, there's like three three people studying together, uh, David Sinclair, Matt Caberline, who is one of our scientific um, advisors, and um, and then uh, Brian Kennedy. They were all um, wow. uh, postdocs together at MIT. Um, and so he has done a good amount of research on um, alpha-ketoglutarate, uh, specifically the calcium form, because it's absor- absorbed a little bit more slowly, and that's been found to be a little bit more uh, beneficial, mm-hmm. and uh, found that it's it's able to, for example, uh, reduce the epigenetic or biological age of uh, people wow. who are taking it in one of the studies that he's done. He's also done a lot of studies with, with mice as well. So this was... Um, uh, probably one of the more powerful ingredients um, alongside like microdose lithium and a few others that we included in the formula. Yeah, yeah, the lithium one too. I'm just um, researching and been on that for the last couple of months, just experimenting with myself um, and, the, and the alpha-ketoglutarate. But I, I, I yeah, I, I ha- must admit, I have to go deeper into the science on those to, to understand those ones yet. But so this combination, this is a drink that you can take. This is a, an actual drink that you make in the morning sort of thing and you can have um, and yeah. you can just stay on that. Um, and wh- whereabouts is Novos going now in the future? So you've got, you know, these couple of products, these aging things that you've got. Oh, there it is there if anyone yeah, wants, this is what, the watching sachet. on video. Yeah, you just open that up, pour that in your water and... Good to go. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really difficult to do that. Um, it's fantastic. Um, Chris, I won't I won't hold you up for too much longer because I know you're a busy man with lots of things to do. Um, but I just wanted to thank you for sharing your your knowledge, your, your background personally as well, um, and for the, the passion and drive that you bring to the space because we need more people like you making amazing companies that are doing all of this great scientific research and the work and the the, the education platforms and the, and the whole thing that goes around it. And I, lo- I love that whole approach, that whole platform thing. So um, congratulations on that. And, and thank you very, very much for sharing all your knowledge today so generously. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for giving me the platform to, to share this information. And um, it's very much appreciated what you're doing as well. We, we have the same the same mission and vision, essentially, right? To to yep. be able to improve people's health and to reduce the suffering in this world, improve, increase the number of happy happy moments. Um, the vision for Novos is is to add a billion years of healthy life uh, to humanity, and I love it. Uh, hopefully, we achieve that and exceed it, and then increase that number beyond a billion. But right now, that's 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 our vision for Novos, and so. Um, we're doing everything we can in the form of the formulations, the testing, and the knowledge as a public benefit corporation. It's a, a legal status that we have. Um, we we go above and beyond um, what I believe most most for profit companies are doing to try to um, equip consumers with the information that they need 
whether they're customers of ours or not, to yep. be able to improve their health span, their lifespan, and to slow down their aging. And that's the, the, the entire mission behind it. Where can people find you, Chris, personally on, on social media and, and the company, of course? Whereabouts can people connect with you? Sure. So the company website is novoslabs.com. We're also Novos Labs on all of the social platforms from Instagram to Facebook, LinkedIn, and so on. Um, and then I personally have a blog, slowmyage.com. And I'm on Instagram as slowmyage. And that's where I, I go over my own personal uh, results on biological age tests and other health markers. And then also talk about um, my my lifestyle and the things I do to achieve the results that I have. That, yeah, well, you actually walk the talk on there, and um, you're minus. Uh, how many years are you younger? Like on the testing, I think it was thirteen or fourteen years younger than you actually are, or something. Yeah, I think it's thirteen point six years uh, wow. biologically uh, less, and and uh, my pace of aging is thirty one percent slower. So it's point six nine um, instead of uh, one being average. Wow, that's just absolutely amazing, Chris. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.